Since the night was going to be a milestone for me, I poured a plastic cup of wine and took a moment to watch the storm. It was a quarter to seven. I'd handed my notice in 28 days before, and I was about to begin my final ever night shift. Leaning against the snow-covered balustrade of my balcony, I was dreaming of the following morning, of packing my meagre belongings, driving my Nissan into Aberdeen, and dropping it off with its eBay buyer. Car sold and cash in my purse, I'd be at the airport for my 11am flight. A hop to Heathrow, onto Madrid for my connection, and then heading out to Santiago, Chile by tomorrow evening. Tomorrow evening. The wild possibility of this unburdening, an escape I'd dreamt about for 15 years, made me dizzy. I sipped the wine. Thinking like this felt something close to lunacy. My final night at the McKinnon. It was a chance to say goodbye to my old self, to escape abroad a new person. I might not have box-ticked the other expectations associated with one's early thirties. I had no career anymore, no permanent home, no children, and, after tonight, no job. But my final shift felt like it was the start of something. Live-in staff all got attic rooms with balconies, but the remainder of my colleagues had started their leave, so I was the third floor's only occupant. It seemed somehow appropriate, given the course of my life so far, that I was marking this special occasion alone, a woman in a winter jacket and beanie hugging herself against the snow. The wine was the cheap stuff that came in minibar bottles, but it tasted good enough as I cast my eyes across the McKinnon's grounds for what might be the final time. On summer days, my quarters had a beautiful view, but early February was different. Loch Alder was frozen over the colour of Lakeland Slate, a silent presence between our two mountains. Bray Crag on its far shore, snow-covered and wild, and rising above the hotel on this side of the water, the peak of Farrygaig. Tonight it was nothing but a silhouette on tracing paper, though the tangle of its steeply forested flanks came all the way down to the hotel's perimeter fence. The sight of the loch, the mountains, and the distant prison had become my life this last 18 months. Most of HMP Portofel was hidden by the pine plantations of Farragheg's foothills, but the lights of the exercise yard were bright points haloed by driven snow, and the north watchtower was visible. I raised my cup in its direction, in a final silent toast to Cameron, and sipped, relishing the warmth of the alcohol. I was still staring at the place when I heard the klaxons wail, the sound was a familiar one, when trouble flared at Portofel, as it often did, overcrowded and outmoded as it was, the first signs were always barking sirens and strobing lights. I felt a sudden rush of memory. I had to set my cup down and steady my pulse with big, deep breaths. A year ago, a Portofel riot had killed my brother. The same wail of sirens had marked its beginning. Back then, there'd been the flicker of fire against distant brickwork, a wind-borne roar of crowd noise, and a night punctuated by the droning engines of security vehicles going back and forth along the mountain road. I hadn't known Cameron was dead at first. Next of kin weren't informed until later. 
In a 55-inmate brawl, it's apparently impossible to finger the murderer of a particular individual. And because unlawful killing was hard to prove, Cameron's passing was recorded as misadventure. So now my brother was gone. His death remained unpunished, and I'd been stranded here, a 33-year-old woman working night shift at a Highland hotel, studying the place that had penned him in. I watched the distant buildings, listening to the moan of the siren. Through curtains of snowfall across the lock, I could see the intermittent flicker of lights. The prison gates were open now. Three distant vehicles were pulling out, a car either side of a van that looked like a high-security transport. That might explain the disturbance. An inmate leaving, violence erupting as desperate scores were settled. The siren continued its looping moan, and I watched the convoy turn left towards us, setting off along the mountain road in our direction.